This episode of Ain't That Swell is brought to you by Billabong and the Ain't That Swell Live True Grit Tour kicking off Sunday, April 2nd at the Torquay Hotel with Joel, Leslie, Parko's Nose, Parkinson and Mason Ho, the almighty rock wizard tube shaman from the North Shore Brack. It's going to be a ripper day. couple of special guests still yet to be announced. Make sure you get your tickets. Avoid disappointment. Theswellians.com to lock it away. Big thanks to Billabong, the absolute core lords, back and ain't that swell since day one. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and I ASP going to find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb want to be tennis tour you know i think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit you know i'm not thinking about that right now i'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday you just drop in and just smack the quarterback drop down say bah! well i'll tell you Stu, i did battle some humongous waves oh that's the paper thing oh that looks good on it not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro dosing. Smithy. Smithy. <laughs> and I'm joined here as always by my loyal friend and co-host, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, and Waves magazine, Vaughn Rinsed Corn Deadly. Hi. G'day, Smithy. Greetings, Vaughn. It's about 50,000 degrees and 200% humidity. We're sweating absolute bullets in this seething, mouldy, dank dungeon of yours. Mm. But uh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. No, mate. Nowhere else I'd rather be. And I'm just going to rip the scab off our new Spottos, better be. (laughs) You beauty. Zero alk. What time is it? 11.57, see? Right on the button. better be time, mate. Oh, kidding me? Jeez, they're good. good. Yeah, the crack too. It's Fucking that hot in here. Are you serious? No, no. It's days like these, my heart really goes out to the tradesmen out there, slogging it out, laying bricks, laying cable, mm. digging holes, yep. putting uh, timber frames up. Fucking hell. It is an absolute classical North Coast swelter. You could fill a 40-gallon drum with the crack sweat from your average North Coast plumber right now. Mm. <laughs> True, that's me. I just... Uh I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's bad enough just sitting in a garage doing fuck all except drinking your better beers. Imagine being out there just with your crack that greasy, that greased up, mate. Like, you could pretty much slide a football in no drama. It's Oof. just hectic. But, jeez, uh, it's been nice, man. I had actually, uh, waves have been kind of cooking. Mm. Got that sort of autumnal vibes going on. I had a little mm. surf yesterday with Ozzy Wright and Danny Wills, the uh, former world number three Uh all-time legend. God, he's a North Coast. He's a he's a North Coast icon. Wheelsy man. Mm. Like few surfers, I I think have really got such sublime balance 
you know, he, he is one poised man. He is so even. It was so good to see him, you know, get that little win at the uh, Australian Border Riders battle with the Byron Bay Border Riders Club, which we've talked about. But you just forget, man. You, when you're out in the water and you watch this guy take off on a wave, it's like a butterfly. It's got the, it's got the Ali vibe. Mm. And then the sting out of the lip. Like, just a classic surfer. Doff of the captain, Wilsey. Good to see Wilsey out in the water. Yeah, it's a throwback to the old school Byron Bogan back when this was a humble, dope-growing, whaling and farming town uh, rife with dull bludgers and uh, guys who surfed way better than they should have. I mean, geez, they were, I don't know where they were getting all the free time up their sleeves to take apart the point breaks. But, yeah, Wilsey, an absolute icon I can remember moving up here did for the first you, did, time. Were you too young for all down the line? Yeah. Yeah, all down the line. So, cop this, right? I'm I'm about two years younger than Wilsey, maybe only a, even a year. No, nah, two, I think. And he's 13 or 14. I'm 12. We're from the same area. Uh, I am hitting peak surf froth, you know, like Tom Carroll Shrine, perfectly set up in my bedroom, rotating, uh, high rotation for the Tom Carroll Shrine, you know, every mag, take down the, the shots that weren't mm-hmm. quite there, replace them with the shots from the new mag, all yep. that sort of stuff. Yep. Anyway, this movie, All Down the Line, comes out, and it's 13-year-old Byron Bay Grom, Danny Wills, just hanging out and surfing with Tom Carroll, Ross Clark-Jones, Bryce Ellis, Jeff Booth. Oh, I was just so jealous, man. Like, Willsy was the kid we all wanted to be. Like, all of us. Like, I can't think of anyone, maybe Butto in the era before Willsey, Jason Buttonshaw, he was sort of 13, getting waves in Surf Into Summer and those early Billabong flicks. Uh, just drainers at Kira just fucking parked it. But I think Willsey was the first Grom that every other Grom on earth want, wished they could be. Mm. Can you imagine being a child on surf trips with Tom Carroll and Ross Clark Jones in their heathen <laughs> pinnacle days? <laughs> it's wow. a miracle he never uh, went down the same path. Talk about an eye-opener. Third eye mm. open. Every eye, ear, orifice would have been open and just uh, absorbing mm. weird miscellaneous particles and contact highs. Well, I mean, look what happened to Taj Burrow when he went on a trip with the oh, same he's never guys. recovered. He's never recovered. He's never left Western Australia. Not once. No. And, mm. uh, yeah, who knows how many world titles he could have won had he not been absolutely riddled with post-traumatic stress disorder from a boat trip gone awry with RCJ and TC in peak Madness mode. Wow. Imagine being just nowhere to run. You just run on loops mm. of the boat and they're just going, ha, here's Tommy. We're going to get you, TV. We're going to get you. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it goes straight to that A Few Good Men code break where mm. TV gets back, just uh, doesn't want a bar of it, sort of has to uh, drag them before the tribunal, the Quicksilver head honchos. Mm. And, uh, yeah, say so that they bullied him and, and made him feel gross and he uh, ended up jumping ship. So... I don't know. What side of the fence do you fall on there, Smithy? Yeah, am I into the uh, ritual hazing of grommets? <laughs> or am I uh, some kind of woke snowflakes who believes that soccer dads should chaperone their kids on boat trips mm. to prevent them from uh, older surfers or surf journalists, for that matter, tormenting them with shenanigans? It's the question of our times, really, when you think about it. Yeah, it goes mm. right to the heart of our culture and uh, as a two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I've got a few too many skeletons in my closet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I still think uh, there's, there may be still some, a little bit of mouldy roast beef uh, being held in uh, their skyrocket by Ian Gentile and maybe even the Vortex Shaman for a couple ooh. of smitty gags gone wrong. 
I'm just wondering whether, you know, the generation of, look, it's, it's a harsh thing to describe it as the generation that of ne'er-do-wells, of, you know, all the all the opportunity, all the money, all the, you know, just, just that sort of cotton wool kind of like uh, pathway to the world tour. And it never really resulted in uh, world title success, did it? The, the, your Geordies, your Owen Wrights, your Julian oh. Wilsons. It's a death knell. I mean, it's it's like if you're not getting if you're not getting tea bagged or pissed on or slapped around a bit, yeah, you can kiss your title hopes goodbye, Vaughn. Yes. You're no head, you're yeah. no chance. So I mean, is the hazing absolutely necessary to create world titles? I think there's no question about it. Mm. I mean, I'm going to take full credit for where Jack Robinson is right now. Uh, if I hadn't have forced him and Ian Gentile to dress up as uh, little Muslim schoolgirls during sessions and uh, perform their surfing, uh, dripping wet, sagging in satin cloth bought from a Sumatran market. <laughs> it's hard to see them reaching the lofty heights no, they have no today. Chance. No chance. Uh, what we need is grit. We've spoken about it many, many times, and I think this feeds beautifully into finger buns, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but let's have a listen to the anthem, the anthem, the solution, if you will, on how to create a true pathway to surfing greatness based on the uh, incredible journey of our good friend Callum Robson. What's true grit? If you're wrapped in cotton wool from the age of six, have you got true grit? If you're loaded with coin, given stickers and shit, have you got true grit? True True grit. grit. It's dirt in your crack, sweat on your sack when you're breaking your back. It's diesel and dust and doing what you must to get fair up at. True greed is the shit that you get when you're not scared to put in the yard for it. Well, come on, cow robo, you're made of the truest grit. You crease little Gabby Medina with a classic wood burn hit. You back my king is diesel, you got concrete in your guts. You're a true blue Aussie battler with true grit in your nuts. True grit, Smithy. An absolute classic, an instant classic, right to the top, the silver bullet. Finger buns, just sitting in the room. They're sweet and sticky and absolutely delicious. Finger buns, finger buns, feed your face in finger buns. Number five, number four. On the road again. I just can't wait to get back on the road again. Doom, mm. Doom, doom. Mm. Yes, Vaughn. It's happening. That Slim Dusty classic has rung true yet again. <laughs> Slim Dusty. For the swellians. Willie Nelson or Sweet? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Some old codger. But, uh, uh, yeah, the true grit tour is upon us. Yes. We're packing the panel vans. We are packing the surfboards full of Bolivian ether wash. Mm-hmm. We're lining the uh, fuel tank with North Coast Mullen Madness. And uh, there'll be a few slabs of better beer going around too. And we're hitting the road, Vaughn. Yeah. We are hitting the road for an absolute bolter, belter, cracker, ball terror, gut buster in mm. your case. Well, hopefully not. Mm. But uh, we're, we're going there. We're going places where people shouldn't go. Uh, because we're fearless. Oh, mate. This, this is my favourite time of year, Smivy, where we get to uh, go face-to-face, head-to-head with the Swellian Army. Uh, it's just so good to get out there, get the live shows cracking. We've got some absolute 
rippers coming up, mate. Mason Ho and Joel Parco to kick things off in Victoria at the Torquay Pub. An absolute, it's a bit of a Swellian fucking cathedral, isn't it? It's a holy place for the Swellians now. Um, some of my favourite memories have gone down at the live shows there. Morris Cole. Oh, who could ever forget? Who could what? ever forget? What a cameo it was. Woo! Holy uh, smokes. Oh, mate. He uh, had the full red wine teeth and he come up and gave us a blast of it and plenty more as he was well entitled to do. A living legend, mm. Morris. And uh, yeah, I was, you know, as the, the spit was raining down onto my face and the, the reeking, rancid, mouldy great breath was just blasting straight up my nose hairs just singeing my cilia <laughs> I was just looking at him going this is the greatest day of my life oh mate that one just went so off kilter it was amazing but oh, it was an emotional well, this is the thing like we are we're so lucky to have had crew uh, in our Victorian shows we've had Oki Slater Gerlach turned up for a quick cameo oh, at one of them. that's right. Uh, Who could forget that? That was a great cameo. Oh, yeah, just uh, telling stories about wet T-shirt comps and the glory days of the 80s. It was almost as though he was just walking his dog past the Torquay Bolo and uh, just thought he'd poke his head in and, just, oh, what's going on here? For a couple of radical Oki impersonations. Looks like I've stumbled in upon some kind of uh, cultural meeting point in a mm. podcast, in fact. And he just started spinning yarns willy-nilly. Yeah. Madman. Yeah. So that was cool. And then uh, who else? Fanning, obviously. Griffin, Morgan, India Robinson, and uh, Tully Wiley. It's, it's been unreal. And I think, you know, having a, a, a bell ringer like Parco down there is going to be awesome. Mason Ho, how, for, how fucking psyched are you to hear what Mace has to say in a live room? About 10 psychs. I'm as psyched as a 15-year-old kid who's just found a bag of miscellaneous crystals in a satchel at a petrol station. That's how Fizz and I am born. (laughs) That's exciting. Oh, real excited. Uh, But, yeah, get your tickets. Um, We're going to be doing uh, quite a few shows. Uh, What we're doing is we're expanding the tour so that it incorporates the Changers. So we'll be doing shows in uh, Victoria, Western Australia, South Oz, we're going to visit at some point during the year. Not sure where yet. We're going to slot that one in. But we're coming South Oz at last. Uh, and then, obviously, when the Changers is on, we'll do a show on the Goldie. And we'll do one down at Narrabeen as well. And then, throughout the year, we're just going to sprinkle one-off shows. But they're all going to be under our True Grit umbrella because Billabong and Better Beer have come on board, Smithy, to allow us to basically reconnect with the grassroots core energy. That is Australian surfing, and it's pretty fucking cool, man. And spread the grit, you know. Spread we're just going to be out there sticking our hand into our big bag of grit and just throwing it around everywhere and hoping that mm. seeds of grit grow everywhere we go. That's more. right. That's absolutely right. So get your tickets, theswellians.com. That's where you can find your shows, and uh, we'll be announcing guests as we go along. Uh, we've got some massive ones lined up, man. A couple of absolute stonkers. True grit. Ain't that swell live? Coming soon, man. Far out, I can't wait. We kick off uh, April 2nd. Wow. April 2nd, Sunday afternoon, Torquay Pub, the week before Bells. Get ready. It is on. Wow, wow, wow. Any talk of a swelling army? Little bit of chat. I'm just trying to get my head around, uh, yeah, the, the the feasibility of it at the moment. Mm. Like, Rip Curler Keen, the Wazza Keen, we're just pu- possibly pushing it back to the Changers. Right, surely. I'll let you know. I'll let yeah, you know. Yeah. Actually, you let us know, Swellians. If you're up for getting down to Bells on uh, day one, making an absolute racket and uh, letting them know all our fucking Swellian queens, Swellian princes uh, that you want to get in behind, 
Yeah. Then uh, yeah, let us know. Hit us a DM and and we'll uh, we'll make it happen. We owe it to our grit merchants, Vaughn, we and we owe it to ourselves to make an absolute fucking scene. Yeah, exactly, mate. The was needs a little bit of swelly and grit. In fact, it needs a lot. Number four. Uh, this came as a big surprise to me, Vaughn. Uh, Quicksilver and Billabong are owned by the same group, and now that group may be selling it to a different group that owns. David Beckham and Shaq's labels, as well as Vulcan. What the hell's going on? Wow. Is this a good thing? I mean, it's got to be a good thing for Ain't That Swell Live. Surely. Uh, Well, yeah. I I mean, mean, are we going to be able to get Shaquille O'Neal and fucking David Beckham on a show? (laughs) Well, I've seen Shaq popping up all over the joint. He was uh, with our good mates, the Inspired Unemployed Boys, throwing shapes. And uh, I've seen him hanging that Mondo tongue out, Mm. imitating the great Paul Fisher, the great QS Journeyman, done good. Burley Butler Deluxe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I wouldn't say no to Shaq being on the program, that's for sure. Jeez, it'd be wild to stand in his vast shadow. And, mm. uh, yeah, I just can't fa- – I mean, we, he was uh, – yeah, well, anyway, I mean, we're, 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 we're veering off course. Yeah, yeah, okay, I mean, okay. yeah. The main point I, I wanted to, to really raise was, you know, Quicksilver versus Billabong, these world title wars, absolute wars they were on. We mm. heard Spencer, uh, Sterling Spencer talking about it. Uh, yep. uh, we've heard Parco, uh, you know, these were just, uh, this was like a proxy Cold War. It was uh, the Bay of Pigs. It was Cuba threatening to fucking mm. nuke the fuck out of America with... Uh, some socialist warheads in America, you know. You, you yeah, know, yeah, you know yeah, the vibe. I get it, I get it. You know I get the vibe. It, was a, it wasn't mm. a Cold War. It was a fucking red oh, hot. Oh, it was on. It was a hot one. Well, there was hot ones going around. There was hot plates going around. It was, it was just all on. Yep, and on the tip of each missile, you had Kelly Slater on one and Andy Irons on the other, and it was, oh, man, I'll tell you, it was it was Bay of Pigs. It was, it was days, 13 days away from an all-out nuclear fallout. Mm. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the bubble burst, maybe, but... Not in a good way. There was a lot of fallout mm. from uh, from uh, that war in particular. Yeah, I mean, uh, one man lost his hair and one man lost his life. Mm. It was awful. But mm. uh, awful. well and truly reached its zenith right now. And mm. I, for one, could only be happier. So congratulations <laughs> to uh, uh, Authentic. Uh, very authentic. Nothing smacks more of authenticity than owning the entire fucking surf industry. <laughs> wow. Uh, Number three. Seals have gone on the offensive. Oh, I saw th- oh yeah, I saw this. This saw is this. uh this is nasty. I mean, I can only mm. imagine this is some kind of blowback for uh either the, the super trawlers off the coast of everywhere. Yep. Raping the ocean of everything from the giant pelagics, your tuna and kingfish, right down to fucking Single cellular amoebic fucking prawns and algae. Huh. How good? Are, how good are those algae fritters though? They're fucking off. Oh yeah, I love them. Oh, yeah, I don't mind a seal burger too. <laughs> down in South Wales, they're pretty tasty. Jeez but. Louise. Yeah, look, I don't know what's gotten into the seals lately. I, uh, I was, I thought they were friendly. I thought they were uh, down with the human vibes, but obviously, with you know, new gas field exploration mm-hmm. being opened up. Uh, in the Southern Oceans and off Tasmania. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just nature's had a fucking gut full of us, Smithy. Maybe mm. nature is just going, you know what? Fucking, nah, let, let's just, let's declare war. Let's let's get all together. Seals, sharks, jellyfish, 
blue bottles and go on the full offensive and just start taking these cunts out. Yeah, I mean, and it could also be blowback for the uh, seal-throwing saga of Cape Town, uh, which was covered exhaustively on this program. Mm. Uh, I mean, frick, uh, that went viral. and you So no one didn't see that, and mm. including the uh, marine population. So... I don't know. There's something going on out there. The seals are <laughs> mounting some kind of revolt, and uh, their latest victim is a fella. Uh, I believe uh, what was his name? Something Phillips. Anyway, he's 42 and uh, six feet five, uh, and he was. Uh, so this is what he had to say. Uh, this was over in uh, the motherland, uh, up there off the coast of uh, England or Wales or something. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is what he had to say. I had just been paddling out and and something started tugging on my leash. It kind of freaked me out because I didn't know what it was. After I worked out that it was a seal and fended it off, it was just playing, I think. But a wave then crashed down on me just after uh, at a weird angle and sent my board flying into my shin. I remember my mate saying he thought my board had snapped because of the sound. But then I realized it had been my shin when I felt my foot hitting the back of my leg. I just started screaming with pain and my mate dragged me onto his board and told me to start paddling back to shore. So he's basically claiming that a, uh, a seal has grabbed his leggy and it's created a wipeout that, that's broken his leg clean in half. Huh. See, I didn't read the whole story. I just thought a, a seal had chomped his leg off. But in actual fact, it's it's caused a wipeout, and he's blaming the seal for it. Yeah, he's seal shaming. He is seal shaming. Oh my god! <laughs> the latest chapter oh, of woke human politics, beings. I mean. Honestly, what what will we come up with next? I, 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 man, with of all the things, of all the disappoint disappointing behaviours that human beings have come up with, seal shaming rates among the very top are the most disgraceful. I mean, it's one thing to steal their krill, can it, and start taking it for our greedy, gluttonous, morbidly obese selves. Mm. But it's another to be blaming them wholeheartedly for for surfing mishaps. I mean, it's a, it, it's an accident, isn't it? I mean, do we really want to be upping the ante on this proxy war with the seals over shit like this? It's a, a bit of a false flag operation, if you ask me, Vaughn. Well, look, seals are pretty... F- they, they can be pretty disgustingly gross sometimes. Those elephant seals aren't a good-looking creature. Nah, and their breath fucking reeks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we know they're amphibious, so, you know, it's really a choice to stay in the ocean and uh, be devoured by great white sharks, which is, you know, it's hard to argue with that choice. You can, uh, you know, live in there where you deal with the odd fatality here and there, much like we do, Mm. Uh, or you can come up on uh, the land and be fucking put to work, uh, probably Shepherding or what's the word, you know, like a seal rides with fucking morbidly obese inland Floridians and fuck knows what, just <laughs> sweating and dropping Slurpees and Twinkies all over your back. Mm. Oh, it's awful. I mean, uh, let alone getting forced to work on a North Coast building site. Holy shit. I, I don't blame the seals for just chilling out in this temperate environment, eating fresh tuna steaks yep. and, uh, yeah, putting up with the odd fucking random mauling. Do we know if Alaska has released a press release uh, or some sort of statement saying, you know, we've, we've warned you about this for years. You were getting up in our grill about culling these creatures, but this is what was going to happen. If, they, if they're not attacking you outright, then they're at least causing wipeouts that put your shin bones at risk. It's time to kill them all. Yeah, well, this is what I was worried about. You know, it has shades of the, the current conflict in, in Ukraine and, and Russia where you really don't know who 
cast the first stone. You know, it's, it's all the heat's on Russia, but then we're living in this informational simulation where we only get what's fed to us by mm-hmm. the Western Anglosphere. There's no talk about, uh, you know, America and Europe putting missiles on Russia's doorstep when Russia said no, no missiles. So uh, smacks of that. So there's this kind of Orwellian <laughs> double talk with the, the who's at fault and who cast the first stone. I just want peace, Fawn. Mm. I want to be able to go surfing without having to worry about a seal just going ham and just fucking plunging its grisly, bitey snout, fair up my cornhole and devouring my colon in front of me. And, uh, you know, there's, they're, 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 they're capable of all kinds of mischief. Nicking leggies, imitating sharks, fucking fading you. You know, they'll, they'll fade you. Oh, yeah. They'll stuff you right in the pit. Yeah. Uh, well, do you remember that when Skeleton Bay first appeared on the scene? Uh, Corey Lopez, and I think it was a, a surfing or a surfer man yeah. trip where they Googled earthed it and they Evan got Slater, over there. well played. And they get over there, and next thing you know, Corey Lopez is on this, you know, impossibly perfect draining sand bottom left that goes for miles and miles and miles. And who's dropping in on him? Who's just outright fading him with just big airs out on the shoulder is this little fucking seal. Yeah. So uh, they've got... They've got game here. Yeah, I spoke uh, to they're, Corey they're, about they're that local. incident. They're, lo- they're localised. They, they run their ships. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I spoke to Corey, and he said that as he was stroking into that thing, the seal's just going, I'm fucking going. Yeah. I'm going, cunt. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Did you uh, just rock up here and be on yeah. the wave of the day? Yeah. Fuck off. Just a, on the beach, there's, like, someone blowing the seal whistle. <laughs> All the seals start marching out, and then next thing you know, fucking Corey Lopez is on the beach getting his fins punched out, getting his teeth knocked out. Yeah, they were the good old days at Skeleton Bay, mate. Yeah. Changed now. Fucking over. It's all changed. Real Blown estate. Out. Fuck. Typical Fuck. surf media, just blowing shit out. Yeah. No respect. No respect. No respect for the seals. Respect the seals. So, uh, Philip, mate, you've only really got yourself and the collective surf community to blame for this. It's been on the cards for years, and uh, we've finally got our comeuppance. And mm-hmm. let's just pray that uh, it all simmers down, tensions uh, you know, just calm a little, and we can go back to surfing and peace and uh, fairly amicable relationships with our uh, mammalian cousins. Because really, that's all we've fucking got in the ocean, mate. We are dead set. We need our dolphins. We need our seals we on, do. on side. We don't want them, you know, going to the fucking Noah's. Hey, hey, mm. hey, hey. Uh, have oh. you checked that uh, just around the bay there? There's a little, uh, yeah, there's a fucking feed around there to be had. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's a coalition of the uh, that we don't need. Number two. Tropical Cyclone Gabriel absolutely peppered New Zealand Vaughan. And, uh, yeah, it was nasty. It was an action replay of what we experienced mm. last year and pretty much to the day. Uh, claimed at least 11 lives, causing widespread damage, severe widespread damage, displacing over 10,000 New Zealanders. Um, yeah, it was already thought to be the worst cyclonic weather event in the country's recorded history, surpassing Cyclone Bola in 88, Giselle in 68, mm. and an unnamed Cyclone back in 36, uh, recorded wind gusts of 140 kilometres an hour, heavy rain, uh, yeah, 183 mils of uh, rain from from 9 a.m. Sunday to 9 a.m. Monday, flooding. Uh, you know, Auckland was flooded, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty trippy. Uh, the boys were showing peak readings of 12.5 meters, Oof. um, and skitty landslides 
the works, but mm. also some fucking skits waves on the backside of it. Uh, Mount Munganui and Hawke's Bay uh, looking like just Mr. Rivermouth churning out psycho cones for the uh, those not afraid of E. coli and the public shaming for surfing during a natural disaster. Mm. And uh, there was plenty of those up here, plenty of brave souls up here, Vaughn. Mm. Fearless, they were. Oh, yeah, when the floods were on. Oh, there that's was, right. There was crew getting their, uh, their cone count right up while everyone else was, uh, you know, on the tinnies, pulling people out of roofs or, uh, you know, shoveling up the mud. Uh, we actually had pumping waves while that was going on. So it's fucking wild that these storms, you know, yes, they cause so much destruction, devastation, life-changing agony. And trauma, but uh, the waves cook. Yeah, it's, mm. a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard, difficult time to be a surfer. The pool uh, in in either direction is immense. But I mean, you've just got to put your fellow man first. Uh, when that cyclone Gabrielle was was hitting New Zealand, we were all working on the on the uh, Tweed Coast Pro, and um, yeah, the, the Kiwi competitors Billy, Kehu, Page, um, that th- they were deeply distressed you know they were freaking about what was going on at home and not just on the uh, mainland man there's a bunch of like islands all scattered through the north there that would have been pretty isolated and, and copped to hiding it's just fucking awful man big shout out to uh everyone who has been suffering in the wake of gabrielle and uh hopefully fuck it new zealand cops a bit of a respite smithy mm. from these natural disasters i was there for uh in gisborne for an earthquake once and fuck it was wild man it's wild yeah Freaking out there, right in the fault line there. Christchurch got hammered, obviously, a few years ago. Crazy to think, too, that that, that weather system, Gabrielle, it came straight down that channel and it could have gone right and just fucking obliterated us again, mm-hmm. but it hung a left and obliterated them. Man, it's crazy. I mean, like, that's two record-breaking natural catastrophe flood events in two years. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, imagine if it had a hit here again. could have just as easily. It was a sheer, uh, you know, roll of the dice. But, yeah, it's uh, a, a pretty wild concept to be dealing with record-breaking weather events like right. that in back-to-back years. It's not getting any uh, It's not getting any better, Smithy. John John Florence reveals all Vaughn. Mm. Well, uh, kind of. Anyway, he did a skits podcast with his brother, Nate, and Cole Rotham. They got a, a pretty decent pod What's over there. called? Uh, I'm not sure, but it takes place in the islands, burrah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. I think it's John's first potty, as far as I know. And mm. uh, he talks about the come down of winning a world title and just not knowing what to do with himself now that he'd achieved his lifelong dream and mm. how short lived the exhilaration of, of winning a title was, you know. Uh, um, so he's kind of ran me home the point of just enjoying the process as opposed to the end point because the end point was not that satisfying. Weirdly, he woke up the very next day, just kind of meh. That all it was. Mm. It's trippy, isn't it? That is so trippy. But even more trippy is it's a common theme that is mm. getting around. I was just watching Make or Break uh, Italo's episode. I think it's like episode seven or eight, and a uh, similar sort of thing. You know, he has uh, he puts so much effort and time and just. Fucking his whole life's mission is to win this world title. And uh, it's a lot of fun because that's his dream. And, and he's living his dream. And he can feel his dream getting closer. And he's building and building. And he has that fucking amazing world title climax at Pipeline against Medina, you know, a multiple world champ. And it's such a an exhilarating moment for him. And then 
turns him inside out because uh, and Fanning says this in the show if you've seen it uh, he's like yeah you, if you if you come out the following year and you don't win the world title and you don't back it up you feel like you failed and suddenly all of that exhilaration and joy turns you into this kind of like golem mm. you know the ring the precious and uh, he was just sort of saying you know and now it's it's he's struggling to find that same energy. And all the fun he was having and how loose and carefree he was in his world title year. He, he can't tap into that anymore because it, it's a totally different sort of ambition that he's got. Like, which is why I kind of like, I love that Medina sort of set the goal of three world titles instead of one. Like he, he got to three and then he started to chill. And I don't and know. By chill, just, you mean uh, lose his wife, lose his family. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I sacrificed every single thing that mattered to him in the pursuit of these three world titles. But... Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That it's so your, your idea of success is so seldom what success is actually going to mean to you in the long run. Totally. I remember being a child, right? And I I actually think this really harks back to a, a theme we talk about a lot. That like when you concoct these dreams and these visions of success, you're doing so as a small child who doesn't know what the world is really like, but when you're from poverty, suffocating poverty in Italo's case or in John's case, you know, an absent father, single mother, like pretty poor as well. Mm. You know, you look at these guys, you're probably a pretty sad kid. Like most of the time that tends to be the, you know, there's like a bit of sadness or a bit of shame. Yeah. You're kind of troubled. It's it's a, it's the ultimate fantasy and escapism to, to put yourself into that universe. Yeah. And you see on TV, you see this person on a dais with a trophy getting showered in champagne, applause. They look so happy. Mm. And uh, you think, well, frick, look how happy this person is. If only I could just get there. And uh, so you, you set out on that path from, from that point, but you don't realize that that, that is just a, a hologram. You know, it, it's not real. Like that happiness that's depicted in the media, mm. it's, it's one-dimensional in its depiction. It doesn't show any of what's going on behind the scenes or, you know, that person's journey uh, to get to that point and, and what becomes of them after. So it, it's not realistic. It's shaped by... The media, that perception mm. of success and happiness. And our whole culture, Western culture, is powered by that idea of success and happiness. Like that that's considered the the pinnacle of human existence, which is completely the opposite way uh, that Eastern cultures look at the pinnacle of human existence. Mm. They 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 don't look for peak experiences and and material wealth and being uh, a celebrity and known by everyone. They look at just being calm and peaceful and mm. happy and content, having connection and, uh, you know, a spiritual belief system. And, like, th these things are what they know and, you know, they're thousands of years old. They're mm. a lot older than our culture. Um, so, interesting. And John, though, he, he talks also about why he still competes now, having won two world titles. And uh, it's to try and unlock his true potential which is you know just getting into that free surfing state of mind whilst in a competitive jersey um uh, yeah that's really cool that's cool to hear because that's a, that's an ambition that is ongoing and might never end to try and reach uh you know a perfect flow state with your surfing like if you think about 
the surfers who you love to watch, like love to watch, who are eternally timeless, like Tom Curran and, you know, Oki. There's a handful of crew uh, who just embody that perfect state of balance and union and connection with this force that they're riding, this elemental force. And I think for John John to be already focusing on that, but within the, the structure of the heat, well, it's like, interesting. he's bringing country soul to the to the was. Yes, he is. It's so interesting because you know, in my very mediocre competitive club surfing career, mm. it always kind of tripped me out, like trying to surf to a, a format and a criteria, and it required like a, a an approach and an attitude that seemed so far from actual surfing. Like mm. you had to surf super undignified, milk the fucking absolute remnants out of slop. And uh, perform as many manoeuvres, you know, I guess this was like the early noughties, the criteria was slightly different back in those days, but what I was understanding at that point was actually fundamental, and that is that competitive surfing is is a long way away from why we actually surf. Like, not many people, when they surf competitively, are experiencing what they experience when they surf non-competitively. Mm. Like, the whole style and attitude is completely different, so... Um, yeah, it's so interesting to see him reach the absolute pinnacle and then look down from that peak and be like, oh, no, nah, actually, I want to be down there just enjoying yeah. surfing and, and, and making sure that uh, I'm proud of the way I surf and I can get into these uh, super flowy flow states and, and perform it a way that I'm, I'm proud of and that's enjoyable and that feels good in the moment as opposed to mm. just getting heat wins. Although he does say that, one of the great feelings is just fucking absolutely humiliating cunts. Like just <laughs> beating them into a pulp. <laughs> just when you're just in, for, in flow, in rhythm. Yeah. And they are just fucking just. Really? So he's got, a little, uh, he's got a little underbelly that's, that's uh, yeah, you know, pretty dark. He, he's got a side to him that wants to really drive a knife through people's dreams and hopes and. Yeah, well, I guess like the only thing better than being in rhythm and in flow is is watching someone else flounder. Like mm. it must just add a little bit of extra, extra spice to uh, the way you're feeling. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Look, I I just uh, on that point of, of reaching a flow state and and making it as fun as it can possibly be. Like you can sort of see it with uh, Zhao in that final in Portugal. Just gets to a point where it's you're so in rhythm that. You know, your surfing just just falls into this sort of relaxed zen state. Uh, but I could list three hundred highlight moments in competitions that I've watched over the years. But right up the very very top, uh, in the top ten or twenty, would be Heath Josky's big soul arch at J Bay. Mm. Like, it's a QS. He's uh, uh, you know a great surfer, but just you know a, a bushy. Uh, sort of core lord from the mid-north coast of New South Wales and he turns up to Pump and J-Bay and he's just got this fucking canvas laid out, every trick in the book at his disposal and he just fangs off the bottom and just hammers this big old sort of expression of absolute ecstasy at the top of this wave. And for me, man, that's like, that's it. That's that's where John John wants to be. Mm. And um, yeah, I reckon he should give Heathy a call next time he's... Uh, Driving across the Nullarbor, call in, get on the uh, organic veggie program and go throw a few solis with uh, mm. good old Heath Josky.
Oh, it's not a bad idea. Charge the crystals with Jozza down there. Uh, there's an interesting symmetry to that too because I believe it was in 2009 I watched Jozza as the Billabong wildcard in the opening round at J-Bay. Absolutely cooking as good as it gets, J-Bay, mm. up against none other than Joel Parkinson who literally surfed rings around him. I'm pretty sure he was just doing a, an eternal figure eight carve just, <laughs> just like around a, Heath. Yeah, yeah, an, 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 an infinity logo yeah, just over and over. he was just stuck in the spot going, what the hell's going on? He's <laughs> got some kind of water-bending shaman. Uh, but uh, that was a classic example of a guy who just, you know, it wouldn't have mattered where, whether he's in a competitive jersey or competitive format or not. That was his absolute peak Ideal situation. Mm. Flawless, roping, pitting, bowling J-Bay. And uh, he was out there and he fucking won it in a canter. Mm. Absolutely untouchable. And I guess that's what it takes. When I think of all the great performances, it's by guys who, you know, they're not having to grind out scores a lot of the time. Maybe in a couple heats here and there. But Mm. uh, when I think of the iconic performances, it's always at waves that they love and they're surfing with love and enjoyment Mm. as opposed to fixating on uh, performing to a criteria. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah you know, Hog at Chopes, Slater at Chopes. Uh, John John at Margies. John at Margs. Jo- uh, yeah. Mick at Bells. Mick at Bells. Parko jo- at anywhere where there's a long, clean wall. and uh, Yeah, the list goes on. And uh, you're dead right, mate. You're dead right. Like the, 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 when surfing competitions eclipse themselves into something special, it's because someone has achieved that sort of Buddhist-like Zen state and they are just in the zone. It's almost nothing better, eh? Like, as a spectator, you just go, wow. Because you can love the sport, and the sporting aspect of it is cool as a spectator when someone isn't in that state, and most often than not, people aren't. You know, they're probably getting one heat every three events where they might hit something that feels like that. But, yeah, you, you, you see those guys who just dominate a comp from start to finish, and they're just in that that happy place. Mm. Oh, what and a you, joy. You see it so much in Jack Robbo and mm. Jow. Like, when there's nugs, doesn't matter how unruly and fucked up and yep. gross it is, if there is even a sly whiff of a thick round one, they're frothing. Yeah. And they're out there and they're into them. They're finding them. And, uh, yeah, you know, Jow, we had him on the program and he just, that was, when we asked him about, like, his attitude to surfing, he really couldn't answer the question apart from just saying, I just love being in the juice. Mm. I love when it's big, thick, and coning. I just love it. And that love is just seeping out of his pores every time it's big and pitting and uh, there's serious energy in the ocean. Goat Watch Vaughn. The goat has spilled the beans yet again in a skits interview that reveals he was a semi-closet psycho as a grom, not afraid to walk into the nearest sports store, buy an aluminium baseball bat, and confront one of his mum's deadbeat boyfriends. Oh, young Smithy, if you will. Yes, yes. I quite like this side of the goat. And, but, you know, in all mm. fairness, uh, it would be my mum walking into the sports store, getting the aluminium bat and confronting her own deadbeat boyfriend because she was a full-blown nutter <laughs> on your Smithy. Uh, but this is what he That's told. Wild. Yeah, this is a wild yarn. Well, I'll back this. Um, stepdads can be dicks. He uh, told Dak Shepard on the Armchair Expert podcast, Mm. 
recalling at the time his mum brought in a homeless man and, quote, a mechanic and a redneck who slept on the couch next to Slater for two months before eventually progressing to a relationship with Slater's mum. Couple of things to pick apart there. We'll get into it though. Uh, it was very weird, says the 11 time world champ. And uh, when the relationship went south, Slater, then 22 and a two time world champ already, paid the man a visit armed with a baseball bat. I had the bat in my hand and I said, I'll fucking kill you. Mm. Well played. Uh, but interesting, a two time world champ crashed out in his mum's couch for two months. Jeez, that's, uh, that's a bit of a rough trot for a. A two-time world champion, mm. uh, couch surfing. I mean, yeah, well, I and mean, you can kind of picture it. I mean, just, just you know, he's sleeping head to toe or head to head or toe to toe with this stinking, fly-blown, redneck, beer-swilling, bong-smoking, somewhat uh, homeless hobo man. Mm. And you can kind of just picture him, just the both of them just squirming around. Oh, fuck off! Let's like, kicking him in the night. It's only room for one. One goat on this couch. Mm. Get out of here. Mm. Who's this couch surfing vagrant dropping in on my turf? Yeah. Do you think he just couch surfed because he just felt more than comfortable just sort of knowing he wasn't going to be there for more than a week or two at a time? Yeah, I don't know, but I love this side of the goat. It's a lesser known side of the goat that he was a, uh, you know, he he was up for it when he was a Grom. Uh, He would, you know, wash around uh, with the tide and the parties and the whatnot. It's not necessarily drinking, but uh, definitely not against a bit of couch surfing and mucking in with the the lads here and there. And uh, he, he, even to this day, you know, he's by no means a, a high roller, this out of touch uh, elite, you'll show up at a swelling show and cop a spray from fucking yep. uh, any number of vagrants. Uh, you know, you've uh, you, you've witnessed him passed out uh, down there at Torquay uh, yep. with his eyebrows just begging in oh. the moonlight, just asking for it. He's going, Vaughny, shave me. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and you know, he, he's from that school of professional surfing, uh, the early 90s, the mid 90s, when it was in that kind of weird phase, not mm. necessarily tons of money in it yet for everyone. It was on the come up, but not fully there yet. There was definitely uh, some, uh, you know, veterans of the uh, bygone era of uh, the, what are they called? The, the Rapongi boys or the uh, the <laughs> Rod Kerr and uh, oh, Shmoo yeah. and their Pagey's clan there on the, uh, on the trains of Japan and just the, sh- it was, it was the, Peak shenanigan era. Yeah. So he's coming on fresh on the back of that. So yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He brought uh, he brought that culture with him to a degree, and I don't know. He's he's never truly he's never truly thrown it away. He's never th- truly discarded that semi degenerate core mm. lord couch surfing ethos. Yeah, it's a good good point, and I, I think that you know he's never been flashy with the cash. Like I, I, I he's just. He's uh he's like grasshopper, isn't he? He's like the the just the travelling shaman, just going from beach to beach, sharing his wisdom, tapping in with the energy of uh, whatever the local vibe is, eating simple, sleeping simple, moving on to the next adventure. We should start. Actually, this is what we should do. We should start a kung fu like series once Kelly retires of him just hitchhiking from town to town, sharing the wisdom and the surfing performance, and maybe even. Bashing bad guys with a baseball bat. Oh, fucking earth. Yeah, I'm up for that. And uh, 
Be a we, good show. Yeah, we can start with that degenerate who nicked me fucking channel bottom 20 from yeah, your car. Yeah, oh, I, I love the idea of this. I'm, I'm digging these uh, these different sort of uh, TV shows we're coming up with because, yeah, I reckon uh, I reckon there's room for this. Mm. And it's interesting too to note, you know, uh, the Dalai Lama now at 90 plus years old, he's reaching the end of his storied and iconic existence. Mm. And, you know, I'm, we're looking for a, a successor and I, I'm looking at Kelly and I'm thinking he's a similar complexion. He's got a similar hairdo. He's really just an orange robe away from yep. uh, becoming his holiness. <laughs> oh, mate. That would be... Imagine that. Imagine if all of a sudden, you know, uh, Kelly's in the competitor's area at Bell's, hopefully, if he if he turns up there. We don't know yet. Well, there's a bell there. I mean, he, uh, there's a bell. There is a bell. Ringing bells and dinging uh, things. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, we start hearing all this chanting and the drums beating and mm. the tambourines and all of a sudden, you know, Kelly uh, is in the, in the the walks out from the middle of all the uh, the orange robes and, and puts on his rashy and surfs his heat, comes back in and, and disappears into the mountains behind... You know, the Bell's car park or whatever, whatever's going on there. Well, that's right. His crew. That would be uh, Slater and his crew of fellow holy men and monks. And, mm. uh, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of the, the salad and join Slater's Hari Krishna, Dalai Lama, uh, Dal eating cone packing crew. I'll join it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, we're, uh, I think we're getting a, le- a really solid window into Kelly's future post, post tour here, Smitty. And I'm liking what I see. I like it too. Born a surfing's big wave hellman, the victims of Karen shaming. Uh, this is a mm. new tangent uh, of woke politics. And uh, so uh, just to, to put this in ordinary folk speak that the sweaty cracked plumber can comprehend, mm. is chasing the vision only to return home Badly injured and unable to wipe your own ass, let alone your newborn child's ass. Is this wildly irresponsible or is it just the price one must pay for eternal glory in this skits cunt arena? Mm. That's the question being asked by the new Life of Kai episode. Uh, I believe it's oh, all- So he's tapping into uh, some old swelling episodes because we've, we've addressed this before mm. with the Billy Kempo wipeout in Morocco and... Um, uh, Aaron, what? Who, uh, anyone who's been knocked unconscious underwater or had some ongoing trauma because of a big wave wipeout, like it's not just about them. There's a whole bunch of other people who have to wipe buttholes, make food, get the kids off to school, do all this sort of shit while they're lying around trying to heal. Mm. Jeez, it must be a bitter pill for the uh, spouses to swallow at times, you know, you know. For one, being forced into all this unpaid domestic labour. And all they really get paid in is prong and uh, a roof over their head. <laughs> Not even getting paid in prong anymore when their partner can't wipe his own crud. Mm. So there they are just going, oh, yeah, fucking great. You're out there getting the fish, the glory. I'm back here in the engine room. I'm wiping multiple dates. I'm cooking up feeds. I'm Now I've got to take care of a fucking grown man in a nappy because he shattered his pelvis after a gluttonous... Tube fest. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how they get away with it. Uh, men and women. I mean, there's uh, plenty of big wave swelling queens out there packing it right now. What about the fellas? What are they doing at home when, yeah. when someone gets back with, a, I don't know, a split pelvis or a uh, compressed vertebrae? 
What, what, what are they going to do? It's an interesting question because I've often wondered what my life would be like as a stay-at-home dad married to a uh, gorgeous or even butt-ugly pro surfer. I'd mm. take either. Yeah. Let's be real. And, uh, yeah, this is not an outcome that I'd really thought about. Uh, you know, being holed up there in my arseless apron, frying up omelettes and wiping the crud from a missus's crack. Yeah, yeah. Jeez Louise. And would you be the kind of partner who would be appearing, you know, uh, in the background of Make or Break or, or possibly on the Was broadcast, you know, walking up there and just saying, just have fun. Just have fun, Dale. Yeah, it's a, oh, mate, it's a good question. You know, there is a dark side to being the spouse of a professional surfer and mm. uh, it's not something I'd fully contemplated. It can get lost in the glitz and glory and global citizenship that comes with being a uh, fetid core lord and cone fiend. But there is a dark side, Vaughn. There is a dark side. Okay. And uh, we're beginning to experience some of it right here through the lens of uh, Kai and Shane Dorian. This is what Kai had to say on the matter. Mm. You can't just stop doing what you love to do because something has changed. Dorian adds, after having kids, I was just more stringent on which days to push it. So there it is. There's the scoop, uh, being a little bit more selective on which yeah. 50 foot north peaks at Jaws to paddle. Yep. Uh, being a little bit uh, more restrained in your nine hour tube gluttony. Being uh, a little bit more aware of the plight of your other half and what she has to go through to keep. The wheel's greased so you can keep out there getting a vision while mm. she's getting a vision of cooking eggs and baby excrement. Oh, dear. What a life. Well, I don't know. It's it's very hard because... Well, like, what, what, what do we want to do? Do we want to just shoot big wave surfing in the foot? Mm. Do we not want our core lords to be packing the Mondo Vortex just because they've... You know, just fucking sprayed a load somewhere and some little well, germ has popped up out of it. It's got to go both ways. That's the only way it can work, right? If, if the big wave surfer says, look, I'm not going to stop doing something I love just because we're getting married, then surely the pendulum has to swing the other way and the wife can say, or the partner, I should say, the partner should say, well, I'm not going to stop rooting other blokes while you're going surfing. Oh, Fair enough. Fair play. Fair and, play. Uh, let's draw up some contracts, some prenups, and uh, yeah, let's just all get it set in stone so everyone is uh, knows exactly where they sit on this one. And I'm going to have to go... Oh, I just don't know. You're sitting on the fence. I'm on the fence, and uh, the fence feels more comfortable than a bit of coral up my corn after a vicious beating. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm staying on the fence with this one. Under. Over. Great news, Vaughn, out of the islands, bruh. Mm -hmm. The Nakoa, the uh, infamous Nakoa luxury uh. vessel, has finally been freed from Honolulu Bay, but not before leaking diesel all over the reef for two weeks, as we predicted. And the brothers are fucking filthy, mm. both literally and figuratively, as they try to pack pits at the bay. Uh, this is what one of them had to say on Instagram. Thanks, elites. Your dream life fucks up our only life. Send this guy, this guy, D-I-S, send this guy back 
with massive fines that go back to restoring land and water in Hawaii. Too many fuck-ups over here. We cannot overlook anyone. But no can ever return. And uh, here's another one. Oh, this one's entering some dangerous turf, but it's not turf we haven't walked in the past, Vaughn. Howlies should be banned from water. Every time they are around it, something goes wrong. They steal it, pollute it, poison it, and even drown in it. Nah. <laughs> well said. Uh, so, yeah, it's going south at a rate of knots over there in the islands, bruh, both literally and figuratively. The Nicola was last spotted at sinking halfway out to sea it was as it was being towed back to Oahu. A big matzo ball and... Um, I just, uh, I, I, I'm all for it. We've done the deep dive on this boat. Or we've done the deep dive on, you know, the kinds of people who own super yachts. They're not typically your favourite kinds of, of people. They're not typically people we would hobnob with or rub shoulders with, Smithy. And I'm totally fine with anyone who runs a boat ashore to be completely banned from the from the world's oceans. Mm. That's no, a good demarcation you make, uh, banning just howlies in super yachts as opposed to howlies all in general, white I mean, people. Yeah. I mean, that's potentially a bridge too far, but uh, it's a good start, banning these filthy elites. I mean, super yachts, what a gross concept that is, just these radically depreciating, floating titanics that are just a, a means to hide capital in so they don't have to give it back to the sweaty cracked plumbers on the north coast of New South Wales. That's all this is about, Vaughn. Ripping off the working class, then shitting all over our spare time, fun times at the Bay, bruh, mm. with their fucking diesel. Yeah. On the yards, a huge under, massive under. Does John John Flowers have Kelly Slater's foreskin in his knee? Does Gabby shave the bits of skin that none of us can see? If you drag your filthy corn home down to the face of the old man pipe, will spots fly from a lack of comet across the lonely night? Are the wazzles judges crazy? Have they fucking lost the brief? Would Shane Horan take Prophets will apply So scoff your shoes And ask us a question We will speak no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies Ask us questions, Smithy. First one here is from Alex Knox. And uh, Al, Al can fucking surf, bro. Yeah, he yeah, was one of our swellness uh, guests, one of our attendees. Yeah, Noxy oh. bra. So Noxy bra, uh, pretty neat little corn rinsing steez there uh, mm. in a nice little backside pit. Look at that. Just Ooh. zoom in and... Uh, Polished cornhole. Yeah, got the... Uh, the Zoom in on the corn, though. Let's see if there's yeah, any, any flex there. No, I'm, I'm, that is clean as a whistle. Look at that, Could Eat mate. your dinner off that cornhole, There horn. is nothing on that cornhole at all. It is sparkling deluxe. Noxie wants to know, Smithy. Pretty simple one, but what the fuck happened to the Wazzle commentary? It felt more clean and bland than Callum Robson's corn after rinsing it in perfect 10 form. UTFS. 
Oh. I didn't mind the commentary at Portugal. I love Paul Evans. Yeah, Evans, he's a lord. He's a lord of the highest order. A, uh, in fact, he's a legitimate and very literal lord hailing from England. I believe uh, he was his great, great, great granddad uh, was Lord Codswallop, one of the original corn rinsing core lords from uh, Cornwall. Mm. Did his great grandfather from Lord Codswallop uh, also invent corned beef? Um, it, it's uh, look, it's still debated to this day, and mm. blood was shed over the naming rights for corned beef. But mm. Codswallop claimed it, and Evans is just a chip off the old block. I enjoyed his polished commentary. Uh, reminded me of like uh, kind of Phil Liggett <laughs> on the Tour de France, mm. and uh, I don't mind a bit of polish to uh, kind of even out the Californian twang of Stridesy Bra, who, you know, I'm a big fan of Stridesy Bra. Yeah. And uh, well, anyone who travels to Hawaii with bags and bags of <laughs> type to the inside of their legs, like, it's going to get a little off of the cat from Smithy. Oh, big, big tick from the, the Swellians, that's for sure. Uh, I just, uh, you, you know, when you trace the origins of, of words, corned beef, what, what does it, do you have, have you got any sort of, Insights into, into how this term was, was coined? Well, see, it goes a long way back. And uh, this was before uh, Dane Kealoha had pioneered uh, the backside pig dog mm. when rinsing corn came into vogue. This mm. was just all about, it was all about frontside rinsing the beef. You know, the, 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 the meat, uh, bratwurst, the, uh, the tube steak swinging between the legs. And it was all about corning your beef at that point. Wow, that is amazing. Rinsing your corned beef. You know, well, you're not going to eat it dirty, are you? I mean, well, I don't know. They're mixing metaphors here, but... So, so actually, the beef is being corn rinsed on the front side. That was, that was before rinsing corn was even a thing. Yeah. That's wow, right. that is incredible, Smitty. Thanks for that. I always thought it had something to do with, um, you know, before refrigeration in ye old times, mm. the motherland, you know, struggling to keep their meats you know, lasting more than just a couple of hours in those mm. stinking hot summers, would uh, you, you would get your corn, uh, you, w- you would sit on your piece of meat and you'd just slowly slide up and down it like a dog scratching its ass on the ground. Yes. Uh, you would corn the beef and in doing so, all the salty, grimy, tradie-like salted butt grease would actually help preserve the meat for a few days. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, I've looked into the etymology of corned beef, and mm. as I said, it's debated. Uh, right, there's right. A, a few different versions of events that have been offered forth. Another one has it that, you know, I've interpreted corned beef too literally, mm. and it wasn't so much as uh, rinsing your corned beef, your, your, your bratwurst, your mm. tube steak. It yeah. was actually, uh, back in the day, you would strap your beef to your cod piece and uh, rinse it that way. So, yeah, it was still front side, but uh, it was, you know, you'd have actually, you'd very literally have beef swinging uh, between your phallus and your corn and you just rinse it through the frigid waters of Cornwall, Lord Codswallop, Mm. of course. uh, And uh, that was how it was performed and that's, the, yeah, so take your pick, really. It's still debated. I mean, it's something we can put to okay. Paul Evans. I'd, I'd love to, uh, from now on, call all frontside tube riding uh, corned beef rinsing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, well, but the contrary, no, I enjoyed it. I actually had a few really good laughs, too, because there's nothing quite like a, a, you know an articulate, 
well-spoken, erudite English accent commentating, you know, thundering fucking psycho orbs on these just bone-annihilating, crunching mm. reef breaks, you know. It's, well, it it elevates the entire sport, in it my It does. It, it polishes it. it. It makes us sound as though we're, you know, uh, we belong in the varnished halls and... Uh, <laughs> Gold-plated crockery of the uh, palaces of the royal family and whatnot. Here comes the Evans Head grit merchant, and he's packing an absolute stonker. Tally-ho! And here comes the spit, and he's just been bathed right out of that with, with sparkled corn. Well, that's just cheerio, my lord. Mm, mm, Great well country. Said. Yeah. Well, thanks, Noxy. Good little walk down the... Uh down the hallways of rinsing corn and corned beef. Mm. Hey. Paul Charlton wants to know, uh, is it true that Conor O'Leary and Kanoa Igarashi are representing Japan in an attempt to get more corn rinsing? Those toilets, they have their rinse corn like never before. Wow, that is a great observation. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the gurney. Uh, I hate wiping. Wiping is not in my sphere of... of Enjoyment. Oh, it's a ridiculous comfort. concept. We're just kicking around like fucking sheep with dags uh, hanging off our butts, just smearing it all. Nah, it's not my go. It's not my go. I want, I want a little robotic arm with a, a little fucking predator-like three-barbed, you know, laser sighting to yeah. just pick apart all the detritus and just ping, 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 rinse it to uh, absolute sheeny, sparkling goodness. And look, mate, uh, given the opportunity. Uh, if I was allowed to, I don't have any, um, you know, family history with Japanese blood, but I would happily whack a Japanese flag on my Wazzle jersey if I could just have one of those little robotic bidets coming out and doing its wonderful work. Yeah, and it's one of the trade secrets of surfing that uh, the reason, the real reason we get barreled backside is not for the vision uh, it's for that tickling sensation of the flex of, uh, you know, uh, like fossilized crud from months back. We, we like that just ripping off. It's, it feels satisfying. You come in, it's like you've had a, a manicure on your butthole. Mm. Is it, is it fair to say that the, the great corn rinses out there, Smithy, the, uh, you know, the Jamie O'Briens, the John John Florences, the, the, the crew who really, you know, get down low and fucking gurney the fuck hole out of their corn. Yeah. Is it fair to say that they could be suffering from worms and, and, and uh, just a quick hit of Cambantran could be, uh, might, might end their days of, of dragging corn on, on at the level that they're doing it? Yeah, it it's could just be. trying to get rid of that itch. That's right. Yeah, very possible. I mean, I know there's some nasty lurgies hanging around the river there, inland of Waimea, all kind mm. of brain oh, parasites, there you go. gut parasites, there you go. butt parasites. But an unintended consequence of that has been the uh, the new school kind of howly boasting match uh, in which uh, on a full moon that uh, J.O.B. and John will come out on their respective balconies and aim their glistening cornholes towards each other at the moon and just you know just reflecting the, the moon beams between each other. And mm. uh, you, you'll often see, I don't know, you would have seen this many times, for on the North Shore, on a clear night with a big moon, you'll see on balconies that whole stretch, there'll be people aiming mm. their, their, their flawless bleached cornholes, cheeks spread. Mm. They just aim them skyward 
just as, as yet another kind of pissing contest, if mm. you will, amongst the macho social hierarchy there, dictated by who's rinsed corn the hardest, who's packed the biggest cone at pipe. Uh, so they'll all just, you know, joust off and see it's, who's... It's one of the great natural wonders of the world, that, uh, that uh, Hawaiian midnight perineum charging... Uh, under the moonlight, it it's, has to be seen to be believed, and uh, yeah. Well, the proof's in what the pudding, sight. so what to speak, sight. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or lack, <laughs> or lack thereof. Uh, you know, and you can't just show up to a perineum bleaching uh, contest on the oh, North Shore with no. your oh no no with no, your no no Australian no. corned oh, beef or your mate. British corned beef. You'll be laughed yeah. out. Of You'll be fucking sent home. No, no, you can't. No, it takes years to to pay your dues, and, and actually, you know. That's what paying your dues really was. It had nothing to do with the lineup or earning a, a, a spot in the pecking order. It was about being able to join the masses on the hills above the North Shore, on the clifftops there, and um, yeah, jump into the the ter- perineum corn moon charge. Mm. It's uh, uh, spectacular. I highly recommend it to anyone. A howly tradition borrowed, of course, like everything from the native Hawaiians who used to line those clifftops uh, overlooking the seven-mile miracle up mm. there where Pancho lives and, uh, you know, howl and perineum bleach and yeah, so just a great tradition, an unspoken one. We may have transgressed culturally there by mm. uh, bringing this to the forefront, but you asked the question... Swell ins and we will deliver. Get back on protection, your mate. David McCann wants to know, what happened to old Surfcore 2001? Was there a falling out with the Swell ins? Well, I can reveal somewhat of a falling out, Vaughn. Uh, I just demanded that he remove his visored gaff. I mean, how long do you have to know someone before you get to actually see their face? Like, you just, you know, I'm like, come on, how, like, our relationship... It can't progress without some level of vulnerability and transparency. And, you know, I wanted a deeper connection with Surfcore, but Mm. he refused to remove the gaff. And I just really questioned the foundations of our relationship. And I said, I've had enough. I'm drawing a line in the sand here. You either remove that Garrett McNamara visored gaff, Mm. take the web gloves off, you know, put down your fucking... Waves magazine and talk to me. Yeah. I don't want to make you feel bad here, Smithy, but I actually had a conversation with Surfcore with his gaff off. And guess what? Are you serious? Guess what? Guess you want to know what he looks like? He looks like uh, a Bruce Lee circa 2001 fox wetsuits, long sleeved, hooded, gimp, rash vest. There's just two eyes and a zipper. Fluorescent green, and uh, yeah, I couldn't make out his face. So mm. he takes the gaff off, and it's just a, f- a full balaclava-like fox rashy from way back in the day. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, so you, 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 we'll never get to know him. He's like an onion. You peel one layer off, there's another layer of, you know, uh, 90s and early 2000s surf paraphernalia underneath. Mm. How many more layers could there be? Pretty piss weak, if you ask me. Here's one from uh, Hacho's Shapes from uh, Stratty, mate. And uh, Hacho... Fuck, he's got some uh, pretty mean-looking boards and uh, some pretty mean-looking turns going on on his Instagram. Thanks for the question, Hacho. How many world titles do Steph and Carissa have left before Katie Simmers, The Pickle, and Sierra Kerr drag them out to the glue factory? Oof. That's a good question. Hacho's onto it. We've talked about this many times. This is the uh, most recent 
episode of Blitz, we address this very issue. I think, I think, you know, Carissa is is probably the most likely to get another title, possibly two, but they aren't going to be coming easy, mate. They won't be coasting their way to world titles anymore. The Steffs, their Carissas are, you know, as well as just feeling a little bit of pressure from this next generation, like the motivation, you know, when someone is, is coming up underneath you and wants it so bad and you're, you're trying to like find reasons to care, like not saying that they don't. We, we saw, you know, what Steph did last year was amazing, but what do you reckon, Smithy? Like it's, it's tough, man. When, when you get challenged on that level, uh, by by an upstart, it really can bring out the worst in you as well as the best in you. Mm. Yeah, I think it was the great boxer, marvellous Marvin Hagler, who said uh, it gets hard to get up for your road runs uh, when you're living in the islands, bruh, on satin sheets, uh, surrounded by frangipanis and waking up to the smell of uh, coconut incense and being fanned by mm. uh, several local grommets with banana leaves. Mm. That's a direct quote. And... Chris is definitely in that position, and uh, she's up against a couple of uh, you know up and coming uh, comeuppances in the form of Katie Simmers and Molly Picklum. And I mean Molly Picklum, jeez, she is a long way from living in the islands, bra, and waking up in satin sheets. Uh, you know, I've seen where she lives. She lives in a slightly more refined version of Micro's You Minor Dog Kennel. Mm. Uh, she sleeps in a hessian sack. Yeah, I think she's got a 94 WRX that she got secondhand that's been lowered with fucking rims and just is a full-blown Sunny Coast donut throwing bogan. Mm. Well, you don't want to mess with that crew. Nah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's got the oh uh, power <laughs> and passion and... I think uh, it's just a matter of time, really, before the pickle just fucking jams her fork right in the eye of Carissa and just scoffs uh, part of her brain because the eye is, in Mm. fact, part of the brain, the only part of the brain that's on the outside of the skull, which makes it so delectable to a fiendish grommet like the pickle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the actual rail shamanism of Steph and Carissa are, are the big weapons against these young girls. Just at the moment, I mean, Molly's rail game is so good. Sierra Kerr can fully bury rail. And we know Katie Simmons can bury rail and add flair to things like a rebound, you know, pop the fins and stuff. So interesting times ahead. Don't see the glue factory just yet, but Steph needs to get a move on. Ooh, mama. Mm. Exciting yeah. times. Tyler, Tyler seems the most likely to get the shits with grommets coming up and, and sort of raining on her parade. She's got a couple more world titles, you know. Yeah. In her mind. No respect. No respect me, Gromit. Dog. Oh, sorry. Right, Smithy, I'd say uh, we'll probably end up doing a uh, an Ask Us a Question episode uh, next week just because there's a lot of questions coming in and we haven't got time to address them all here. Don't forget, Swellians, theswellians.com to get your true grit tour tickets kicking off April 2nd at Bells Beach with Parco Mason Ho and another special guest yet to be announced don't miss out avoid disappointment get down there it's going to be are you kidding are you kidding